tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink. And welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. rock. There we go. Joining me as always. My good friend, he's from the podcast, We Don't Smoke the Same, my friend and yours, Xavier Guerrero. What's up? Xavier, are you getting really high? Really, really high, but so am I with uh, Steptone from Deftones. That was dope. Okay, was so let epic. me ask you something, dude. Like, are you getting so high you need, like, a ride back? No, not that high. That, when I did Doug, Doug Benson's show, they give you a limo ride back because you're retarded high. That might be my new next request. To go that yeah, hard? Uber. No, no, no. Make them pay for my Uber. Man, you're getting you're already putting in requests. Yeah, I work with Sam. I can Dude, put any request. There we go. Okay, you saved that right there. <laughs> and also, he's the mastermind behind the hit podcast that I'm supposedly his co-host on, Broken <laughs> Simulation. Johnny Woodard, how are you, Johnny? Okay, how about you, Johnny? Sam? When is uh when is uh the next Broken Simulation coming out? Uh, Thursday. Thursday. This Thursday, Thursday, new Broken Sim. And real quick, I forgot to say, good morning, Swarm. I got to remember that. I got to remember that. It's very important people do. Guys, if you want to see me live, and I hope you do, I got a couple shows coming out. This Friday night, that's October 23rd, I am live at Hilarities. This is a classy joint. So please, if you're a savage, Come and join me, Cleveland. One show, one show only. I got some wonderful friends of mine popping in. I got Lou Santini, and I have my good friend Joe Howard live on the lineup. It's going to sell out. It's get sell weird. out. Let's hope. Let's I think hope. So. Go I- hard. Go hard, Cleveland. Go hard. Bring them fat bottom girls and come <laughs> get weird. Uh, all ticket links are in the description below, so don't have to search it out. But I will be at Hilarities this Friday. Then the next gig I got, I got so many gigs, man. I got gigs. I got gigs. Then I will be in Philadelphia at Helium's November 12th through the 14th I have my good friend Augustino coming in he's he's been on the live show at the comedy store uh, he opens for Joey Diaz he opens for Jimmy Schubert he's uh, Augustino Zoida joining me I'm very excited about that and then I'm coming Chai Town I think we're just outside Chai Town at Lumbar Illinois that's November 21st live at the Afterlife and again all of those links are available in the description. Guys, if you can't get enough of Tim Fall Hat, I have a couple Patreons I would love for you to check out, everybody. Please check out the uh, Tim Fall Hat Patreon. It's patreon.com slash hat. And uh, that is Daily Doses. Yesterday, I put out two episodes. That's how excited I am. We discuss all the stuff that, that, that is happening in real time. That's where you get most of the Tim Fall Hat shows that you're listening to are, are, are booked 
a month in advance. These ones are that day, what's going on, and I'm doing them three, four times a week, a bunch of AMAs and all that stuff. I also have a great podcast called The Conspiracy Social Club, and that is live with, uh, that's available on patreon.com slash Brian Callen. It's myself versus the lizard person, debate show extraordinaire. People love it, and uh, it's a great way to support me and my good friend. And finally, uh, I have a spiritual podcast that's available on a very special website called Rockfin. That's R O. K-F-I-N dot com slash zero and uh, zero is spiritual podcast. So you hear all the crazy stuff going on in Timball Hat and zero is how you learn to deal with it, man. I try to help you understand that the only person come to save you is you. Johnny, uh, beautiful, uh, Broken Sim has a, uh, a, a nice uh, 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 Patreon. Patreon yeah, as well. Patreon.com slash Broken Simulation. We just did a special edition episode where we go into some crazy stories. And the early edition of this latest podcast uh, will be available there today. Had to make a little edit. but A little okay. edit on a little craziness. Tripoli's a little bit too honest sometimes. <laughs> a little bit too hard in the paint. But you know what, man? I say you do you, boo, okay? Guys, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. See, my good friend Tim James is suffering from multiple gut-related health issues and had to be transported to a hospital for emergency surgery. So you know what? Tim decided to go with his friend who just got contracted cancer. They decided to go to a detox and nutrition clinic in Florida, and that's where he learned how to heal themselves naturally. Five years later, Tim has passion for health, led him to walk away from his career as a financial advisor and start a company, company, Chemical Free Body. Now, his mission is to teach Others, how to heal from the inside and focusing on detoxing and gut health and using proper supplements, okay? Tim's detox nutrition products are the best, purest and most potent you can find. They are super concentrated foods and herbs that are dried under 110 degrees and maintain enzymes and life force. Now, here's what we're doing for you guys. Tim is so confident in his products. He's willing to work with you as he offers a double your money back guarantee. That's right. Check out at chemicalfreebody.com and use the promo code TINFALLHAT at checkout to save $5 on your first order. Check it out and please enjoy this excellent show. All right, so let's get into it, man. We got a very exciting show for you guys. Uh, I'm excited to be doing this. Our guest, he is the author of the book, Our Gods Wear Spandex, The Secret History of Rock and Roll, and his novel, He Will Live Up in the Sky. Please welcome Christopher Knowles. How are you, Christopher? I'm doing great. Great to be here. It is an honor to have you on. I'm honored. The honor is all mine. There's honor across the board for everybody, including XG. Of course. Uh, Christopher, real quick, can you tell us about your books and where our, where our listeners can find you? <clears throat> well, they can find me at secretsun.blogspot.com or uh, The Secret Sun Speaks on Twitter. Um, the books, you know, the work that I do has gotten real interesting in the past few years um, because I've always sort of looked at um, the history of uh, mystery cults and uh, esotericism and occultism and, and just sort of left field religion in general and just how that plays out in the uh, mass media and, you know, in our mythology, you know, how the ancient mythology plays out in our mythology today. 
And then around 2016, things took a real sharp left turn because um, I watched the Gothard Tunnel thing. Did you guys see that in Switzerland, the big crazy yeah. hour long? With the, uh, isn't that the uh, CERN thing? Is that involved in CERN where they're making a tunnel to there and the crazy ritual, which was uh, all these occult symbols involved? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it's actually not related to CERN, but you know it's the same country. It's a it's a several couple hundred miles uh, south of it. But um, it's just it was just crazy. But CERN's had their own rituals, right? They've had like guys running around uh, in robes and chanting and doing mock sacrifices out in the courtyard there. So there's been so much of this stuff, and it's gotten um, so prevalent in the media. You know, particularly through the Super Bowl halftime shows oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. and the award shows and um, I mean, just on and on and on. It's gotten so crazy, and um, I, I think it's starting to have knock-on effects too. You know, I think that there's um, definitely uh, an agenda at work here, and um, I think that it's uh, it ties into you know my theories about MK Ultra because I I am um, extremely skeptical about the um, mind control aspects of. Uh, of MK Ultra, I think that was just a way to get funding. I think that basically, um, if you look at MK Ultra and if you look at the practices of MK Ultra, they're identical to any number of um, rituals and initiations and all these kind of things that go back, you know, thousands of years that have been documented that are still seen today in, in primitive societies. So I don't think it had anything to do with like you know creating mind control assassins because we've known how to do that for a thousand years. So um, just it all ties together and, uh, you know, with a lot of the secret societies and uh, their interests in uh, figures like Mithras. Uh, so it's a whole, it's a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's a huge topic, but it basically just boils down to, um, you know, what Jung said back in the 30s, you know, the, the old gods have awakened and, and shaken off the dust of their sleep, you know, and we're seeing... This, I think we're seeing this accelerate today. So uh, a couple things uh, that you mentioned. So I don't watch a lot of television. Uh, I'm barely still in the sports. It just it's ingrained into me. But I'm slowly – I don't watch a lot of TV. The only – tele. I just had twin girls. And whenever I'm watching them and I'm hanging out with their mother, uh, I kind of watch whatever she is watching. And one thing she's kind of got me into – is Ink Masters. Do you guys know oh, yeah. Ink Masters? Yeah. It's the uh, tattooing... Ink Master with... Uh, with what's Dave that guy's Grohl. name? Dave... No, no, uh, no, no. Dave Navarro. Excuse me. Dave Navarro, yeah. He's an yeah. interesting uh, character. He's a very interesting guy. But man, you see a lot of occult symbolism in this show. Why? In a lot think? of stuff they do. Why do you think? Uh, I mean... Satanic? Look at that fool. He sits there and he's like... I mean, he's yeah. very... Like, one thing, he's hanging from these clips into mm-hmm. his flat. I mean, teach their own sexually. I don't really care as long as you're not hurting kids, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or or raping anybody, obviously. But um, it's just, like, little things like Lilifair. They did a big tattoo on that. Spiral for the universe, which is also a pedo symbol. But all these symbols pop up all the time that they're making these... It's not that the the artists are in fact choosing this. It's like they're being told to draw these things and tattoo these things. And it's throughout and it's as the show's got more popular, these things become more and more uh prominent. 
And I'm like, wow, man, that's kind of crazy. And now she also has this show called Evil. Uh, she really likes watching that. And that's all about the occult and all about, uh, uh, you know, spirits, dark energy and all that stuff. So I, I see it everywhere. So when you say, I want to go back to your, your what you said about MKUltra. So you, you, what you're saying is that it's the program has always existed. The name MKUltra is just a fancy name they gave to it. To uh, elicit a response and to get more funding, but they've always been doing this. So it's not that there's not mind control people. It's just it's not new. It's MK Ultra isn't new. It's just the new name given to something being done for a long time. Well, there's an interesting like kind of chain of custody here because I was looking today at the um, lists of uh, MK Ultra subprojects. And you just keep seeing like the word magic show up over and over again because they were working with magicians, uh, you know, to, to see if, uh, the, you know, the tools of magicians and stage magic would be useful for uh, intelligence operations, which I, th- I think you can see pretty clearly we've seen over and over again uh, for, for the past 50 years. And but also... Um, you know, the, the witchcraft, you know, they're real interested in, in Nigerian witchcraft. They were interested in a lot of these kind of things that, like, what does that have to do with creating mind control assassins or interrogation? I mean, it's all nonsense. It, I think the MK is magic. It's, you know, magic ultra. And I, I think wow. that the basic, I think that the basic um, purpose, that the unspoken purpose has to do with uh, creating basically creating vessels for spiritual possession. And if you look at where, you know, where this all started, it all starts with Alan Dulles and Alan Dulles is in Switzerland during world war two. And he's meeting up with Carl Jung and Carl Jung is just pretty much knee deep in uh, the mystery cults and Mithras and all these kind of things. And they, they would talk, you know, they'd have these long talks. And, and my belief, you know, my very strong belief is that, Alan Dulles, you know, listened to Jung and, you know, the, the whole thing with uh, initiation by ordeal, you know, all these kind of things that we know, you know, Native Americans were practicing, um, you know, all the, all the tools that um, we saw, particularly like, say, up in Montreal with, with you and Cameron's work, um, all the tools that he was doing were all just like basically technological high tech updates of techniques that have been used for centuries, if not millennia, you know, in, in shamanic initiation and uh, medicine man initiation, rites of passage, all these kind of things, you know, drugs, uh, sensory deprivation, ordeal, you know, the use of, you know, the psychic driving where they would have these tape loops just playing like the same message over and over again. You know, we know, what do we know that by? We know, you know, we, today we call that, or we know it by mantras and, and mantras we used uh, you know, extensively in these kind of um, these initiation rituals. So I, I think that really what you see, and I, I would argue that you're seeing it now. I mean, all you have to do is go on Twitter and look at some of the footage from some of these protests and stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I really do believe, and I, I realize how extreme this sounds to maybe some people, but I, I believe that the purpose of the program um, was to create suitable you know, soulless vessels for uh, demonic possession and, and maybe, uh, you know, other forms of possession, you know, I'm not, I don't want to just limit it to that and sound sensationalistic about it, but I, I think the actual purpose of MK ultra and, and I think, I, I think I need to write a book about it, you know, <laughs> but, um, 
you know, because we also saw the the rise, you know, with the uh, the ending of the MK Ultra program as as it was, we saw um, MK Often and MK Often. Uh, I did a, a series on back in 2016, and I think the fact when we saw all these things like all the Satanism stuff popping up in the mid 60s and the slasher movies that became so prevalent, you know, and then concurrent with that is the rise of serial killers. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave McGowan had pointed out that, you know, serial killers all sort of came from the same county in California, at least a lot of the <laughs> earlier ones. Um, and we know that uh, Louis Julian West, uh, an MK Ultra witch doctor, was was operating in that area, you know, doing work in prisons and so on. So, I, you know, MK often is something that a lot of people haven't even heard of. I mean, I did a lot of work. It's very hard to find, you know, reliable um, documentation on it. But what I sort of did was, you know, I did deduction, uh, you know, by the process of elimination, basically. But we know that they, uh, MK often was working with people like Sybil Leak, and Sybil Leak was a, a British witch, and she sort of popularized witchcraft, which led to Wicca and so on in the 1970s. So, yeah, I just... um. I all I've become really really skeptical of a lot of the kind of comic book science that you hear about, you know, particularly when it comes to things like mind control. Because, like I said, I mean, the assassins in in Syria were uh, practicing basically Manchurian candidate um, programming, you know, in the Middle Ages. So these techniques have all been known for a long time. So uh, basically, like subliminal messaging is kind of uh, something along the lines of what you're talking about. You know, you know, when I went on the USO, uh, one of our guides was talking about how, like, during World War II, one, uh, you know, the the military realized that people wouldn't want to pull the gun, pull the trigger to kill somebody. They really didn't mm. have it in them. So what they started to do was show movies. Of people shooting people over and over and over and over again that it became much easier. So fast forward to now we got these, and I get so much crap from people who play video games. But man, you fast forward to these, you know, single shooter, what a live shoot, whatever they're called, first, first person shooter, first person shooter. Man, that was my that was my elderly <laughs> moment right there. First person shooters where it's just basically pegging people off, and now. We see it a lot more. We've seen people shooting up. And then we had this situation recently with, um, you know, the Brianna Taylor situation where they were basically telling people, hey, man, it's time to ride. Did you see that? They're like, yeah. oh, man, uh, the jury, they're going to let them off. Uh, cops are really worried that people are going to go nuts. Cops are worried that there's going to be civil unrest. And I'm like, it sounds like you're almost begging for it. Do you see that happening a lot where it's like monkey see, monkey do, and there's a lot of oh, predictive uh, programming? Everywhere. Oh, everywhere, all the time. It's it's becoming really unsettling. Um, and it's so blatant now. Um, you know, and I think that's part of the gaslighting. Yeah, it's everywhere. Like, today I was watching a video on Twitter of, like, somebody doing, um, like, an invocation to Kali Ma and uh, Corazon, Corazon. It's uh, a demon that, um, a demon of chaos that Aleister Crowley had, oh, you know, allegedly God. worked with. <laughs> But um, so, you know, they're doing this big rich. So you've got all these people in town for this uh, protest. And this was a counter protest. I mean, it's it's also convoluted, you know, but they're doing this ritual and, they, and he's got like an animal heart and he pulls it apart and he bathes himself in the blood. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the burning flag and everything. And I'm just like, 
do you have any idea what you're playing with? I think a lot of these people, they just, they were raised in a secularist um, environment where they just were taught that none of this stuff is real and they just think it's a game. Um, but that's not, you know, that's not the truth. That's not the reality. And it's, it's a reality that they're going to find out, you know, much to their dismay, uh, probably sooner than later. I, I, it's just, it just boggles my mind because, you know, 2000 years ago, people would take the, um, <clears throat> the existence of spirits and demons and so on, <clears throat> you know, very seriously. And these are extremely intelligent people, you know, uh, advanced mathematicians. I mean, people who are doing advanced mathematics without computers. You know, I mean, all these kind of people, the philosophers. It was just, it was just a given because they weren't so programmed by the media and programmed by you know the scientific propaganda that we're constantly being bombarded with. That has, you know, I mean, it's just that's a whole other topic entirely. But, you know, it's become so prevalent and so in, in, invasive and intrusive and everywhere you look that, um, the, you know, the people behind this are, are getting very, um, you know, they're getting very ballsy about this. You know, I, I think they feel that um, they, they, they've won and that it's just a cleanup operation now. Uh, I mean, we see that, you know, so this show started January 2017. That's when this show started. And one of the big things that really struck home with me, because, you know, I'm a very spiritual person right now. I'm not into organized religion. If the listeners are, I support them. Whatever makes you be a better person and make the world a better place. Whatever you got to do, you know. Uh, but I, I, you know, so I come from this kind like my father despised organized religion. My mother, she took me to church three times. And, you know, we kind of did our thing. And then, you know, so over time, I, I just kind of looked at, you know, these crazy televangelists and all this stuff as like these whack, whack jobs. And I, I, I and now later now being where I am today, I realized that was done purposefully. They have consistently attempted to discredit spirituality and religion by propping up whack job people to make religion look stupid to make god look stupid and, and that's my that's my personal opinion so one day i'm watching the super bowl and it's lady gaga and and i'm like okay let's watch this I'm like she's on the top of the stadium and she's singing like the national anthem or whatever patriarch song she's singing and then she jumps down, and I'm like, man, this is a really creepy halftime show. And then she goes all the way down, and all of a sudden, there's just pentagrams all around the stage. And then the, and then the audience is, is just straight up lit, uh, lighted red, where it looks like flames. And I'm like, this is exactly the story that we're told about Lucifer. And like, I'm like a hardened skeptic of religion. I'm like, this is what they're talking about. They do that a lot. The Super Bowl to me is like, I, I, it's like, for me, it's like, we're watching with grandma and the kids. Can we keep all your cult bullshit out of this? Can we just have, you know, a nice song and get to the second half? What is your thoughts on all that? Well, what the Super Bowl represents and why we always hear people complaining about these halftime shows. Well, I've got a couple things to point out. You know, you talked about these 
ops that were used to discredit religion. And, you know, I'm not into organized religion either. I mean, um, you know, you're not going to hear people talk about this kind of stuff um, in, you know, most churches uh, or other houses of worship. They're not going to talk about, you know, the reality of, uh, you know, the spirit world per se. So, um, you know, I would point out the Westboro Baptist Church, um, you know, the, uh, the group that would picket funerals and, and you know, they had this whole... Um, you know, super anti-gay messaging and these, and if somehow they could just, they had the money to just go wherever they play, they please, they could go overseas. They could, you know, go to all these events. Um, you know, they had a lot of money to just be, you know, in the media all the time. And, and it turns out that the Fred Phelps, who was the, you know, the alleged pastor of this church, you know, he was like a civil rights lawyer, and he was a democratic activist, and he ran Al Gore's 1988 campaign in Kansas. So it's just like, it's just so blatant, you know. And as, as soon as he dies, the, you know, the whole operation gets shut down. So, um, you know, that was just so clearly. Uh, uh, you thought you know, it was a PSYOP-controlled opposition? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that makes I, sense. <laughs> that totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because where did they get the money? Because you always saw them yeah. all over the country, you know, just constantly inserting themselves into the news cycle with their, their placards and so on. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm just, I, yeah, that's just nonsense to me. Where, where do all these people get their money? Antifa, the people coming from Guatemala for the, for the caravan, where do they get the fucking money? It's Soros. It has to come from somewhere. Well, Soros, well, it is, some it's, other ones. It's Warren too. Buffett, it's... Um, you know, Bill Gates, it's just, it's the whole system. It's the whole program. It's you know? pre- basically mean, anybody the media is telling you is a good guy billionaire. That's my opinion. If the media tells you they're a swell billionaire, <laughs> know that dude is up to some shady shit, in my opinion. That's just me. Well, you know, just before the whole COVID, you know, Gates came out with this whole COVID program. Um, you know, the big thing that he was doing before that was using Marina Abramovich to um, promote his virtual reality boondoggle you know i'm i'm a huge skeptic of that kind of virtual reality I, it's been you know the next big thing for 30 years and it's never really come to pass but anyway so that was the big thing uh, was you know marina abramovich and you know using her and then there was you know the whole big blow up and then they just completely scrubbed everything from the uh, from the internet any any of the ads or you know any of the stories anything that would mention that they were using her you know on the cusp of this whole public relations program for uh, for the COVID thing, but you you know you want to talk about the Super Bowls. Um, uh, if you've got a little time, I'll tell you a little story. Um, Katy Perry did the uh, Super Bowl um, thing in 2016, and she comes out, um, you know, riding this giant metallic lion, you know, this gold lion with the uh, the, the, the burning red eyes. If you want to look that up. Um, and then she sang, uh, she also sang Firework, and she was uh, you know, shooting around the stadium in, in uh, I guess, like a, supposed to be a rocket or something. And then she did this whole dance with the sharks. You know, she's doing this whole uh, line dance song about the beach and so on. And she's, you know, in a bikini and she's dancing with sharks and everything. But um, two days after that, that Super Bowl, um, there was a, a, a woman in, um, 
in Westchester County who uh, was incinerated um, when her car was um, struck by a train, struck by the Metro North train at the uh, Gates of Heaven um, Cemetery in Valhalla. And the story was very strange because this woman, uh, you know, that the, the gate came down when the train was approaching and it landed on her hood and she, she did, she didn't, she couldn't figure out how to just back up and get out of the way. So what she actually did when she, when the train was getting near is that she drove onto the tracks and, you know, the train just uh, smashed her and, and she was literally just burned alive and, and a number of other people on the train were as well. Well, it turns out that this woman who was killed was um, Hillary Clinton's private jeweler and oh. her name was um, Ellen Brody. So when you think about like this Katy Perry show, um, on the Super Bowls, you know, this is just you know, pure coincidence, I'm sure. Um, you know, the firework, baby, you're a firework, baby, you're a firework, and uh, then Dancing with the Sharks. And if you you know know anything about the movies, Ellen Brody was the name of um, Chief Brody in the uh, Jaws, in, the, in the, the movie Jaws. Oh, my God. Yeah, she had the same name. So, <laughs> yeah. That is I, crazy. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely insane. Um, That's crazy. You know, and it's Valhalla, and and it's interesting because that same week um, they had opened uh, somebody had opened like a, a like a Norse temple, and in I think it was maybe Iceland, I think, and and they also called it Valhalla. So you have this sort of twinning of Valhalla and this you know the the cemetery, the Gates of Heaven cemetery in Valhalla, you know, and this woman who. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe some people would think she was being mind controlled because why didn't she just back the car up? Why did she drive it onto the tracks? Was she suicidal? I mean, we don't really have any evidence of that. So, and that she was Hillary crazy. Clinton's private jeweler. Yeah. It's, um, it could be a but, sacrifice. Yeah. It could have been a sacrifice. Well, it was, you know, it's during the primaries, you know, it's during primary season, it's during the election and so on. And, um, Katy Perry, who's a whole other story. I mean, that poor woman has just been, um, she's been played uh, every which way. She's a mess. It's really sad, I think. But um, Religion you know, she always was... ruins a great rack, and we all agree on that. <laughs> Either way, dude, whether you're the forces of light or darkness, it always messes with a great rack, and that's all I got to say. That's my political statement for the day. But she... Um, I, I, I think you're probably right, but uh, <laughs> um, but she was, you know, she was really heavily involved in the Hillary Clinton campaign, and just the fact that she comes out, you know, like the biblical whore of Babylon, you know, the the woman drunk on the blood of saints and uh, riding the the giant beast, you know, into the stadium, and it, it was like really. I mean, 2016, you start you saw a lot of this super super unsubtle symbolism, but that was also the um, the uh, Super Bowl where Pepsi was doing all the UFO stuff and they were, you know, their whole ad campaign was, you know, really involved with, uh, you know, this UFO symbolism that just seemed really random and, uh, and so on. But, you know, Hillary Clinton right around that time had uh, made an announcement up in New Hampshire that she was going to, um, you know, open the, the files on the UFO issue and so on. And of course, um, we saw past this past summer, um, Ghislaine Maxwell, who was living not far from where Hillary had made that, you know, that announcement was friends with Hillary and was friends with Chelsea. 
um, you know, she was arrested on World UFO Day. Just <laughs> like That's such a strange crazy. thing. And, like, why was she, what was she doing up in New Hampshire? You know, and mm-hmm. she was like, um, I don't know, forty miles north of where uh, Alistair Crowley had spent, um, you know, the summer in, in with this uh, famous astrologer before he did the. Um, Emma Lynch were working, and that's the working with the gray, you know, the, the, the figure he drew that looked like a gray alien. <laughs> Just, you know, it's like, what are these people doing? Nice. And then it turns out Ghislaine Maxwell has a fam- uh, familial collection to uh, connection to Jack Parsons because her one of her sisters is married to the partner of uh, the son of the, the partner of Jack Parsons who started JPL oh. with him, Ed Molina. So it's just like. You know, when you peel back the, the you peel back the, the curtain on these these people, they're really they have very very strange beliefs, and they, they really do. I mean, it sounds like um, you know fundamentalist hysteria from the eighties, but they're becoming more and more open about it, which is kind of concerning to me. <laughs> well, my whole hidden. thing is that, and I get in fights with everybody all the time. You know, they're like, "Oh, you don't talk about the Jews." I go because my belief is. That none of the major religions that you see outside of Catholicism, but, you know, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, I don't think they're the running. I think those are masks that people use to walk amongst us. And as you're talking about Ghislaine Maxwell being into this, like, darker, like, it totally fits into what I believe that, like, behind closed doors, they're into the occult. That is what they believe in. They only use the other religions so they could walk amongst us. Because if we really knew what they were into, we would lose our skulls on, that, on them. They would be like, you're into what? But behind closed door, they're all into this super dark occult stuff that is slowly but surely being pushed out. And I, I just think that the internet has changed the game in my um, humble opinion. And that, you know, what was told to me a long time ago is now, you know, the masses have the knowledge of the elites. And for the longest time they, we didn't have this knowledge and they would just put all the symbolism out. Cause nobody knew what they were talking about and they would do it with a smile on their face, smirking the whole time. And now it's like over this last three or four years where the game is completely flipped, in my humble opinion, but they can't get out of this behavior because this is kind of how they've been raised. This is kind of how they've been programmed. This is what we do. We put out clues. We do this. Is it Stitchel magic? I I always pronounce that wrong, but Sigil Sigil. Sigil Sigil magic, right? And that's kind of what they do, man. I just see that happening all the time. Symbolism is what we hear is always going to be their downfall, in my opinion. Um, Or or it won't be. I mean, um, or it won't be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, these a lot of people you're talking about, or you might be implying about. I mean, they hold all the cards. I mean, let's take Mike Bloomberg. So Mike Bloomberg built this um, huge empire, you know, based on these um, like these news machines, and it was something to do with uh, stock prices and something. These little these little kiosks that he installed everywhere. So Mike Bloomberg built his headquarters in London, um, and for some reason he felt the need, he felt the urgent need to take um, an 
an excavated uh, Mithraeum, which is a temple to Mithras, which is essentially Saturn, and put it in the basement of his new, you know, his new world headquarters. You know, why was that so important to him? Why was that so important to take, you know, the, the um, Mithras temple and put it in his, his, his building, you know, like that it belonged to him? You know, this was a temple that had been excavated during the 1950s. Well, it's important because if you look, if you understand the, the symbolism of Mithras, you, you know, you, you understand that the, the uh, Prometheus statue at Rockefeller Center is Mithras. It's not Prometheus. It's, it's only Prometheus in the fact that some, you know, some people in late antiquity, you know, sort of combine them, you know, that myth, they did this all the time, you know, they're, they're constantly switching up gods and switching their identities and so on. And somebody, you know, had uh, identified Mithras, Mithras with Prometheus. But when you look at that statue, it's, it's a classic Mithraic icon, you know, right in the middle of Rockefeller Center, which is, you know, one of the big, I mean, I, I would argue that it was the capital of, you know, the American empire until David Rockefeller died. And I think a lot of the stuff that's going on now has to do with the fact that, you know, he's dead and all his lieutenants and princes are all fighting with each other about, you know, who's going to take the throne next. But um, also, I mean, the Statue of Liberty. I mean, people think Statue of Liberty is a woman. Yeah. I mean, have you ever gotten a good look at that? How can you look at that statue and say it's a woman? I mean, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It's 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 actually, you know, it's a, it's a classic, um, you know, based on classic depictions of Mithras, you know, holding up the torch. But the thing is, is that, so the Mithraic mysteries, the Mithraic cults, they were like Freemasonry. So they had, you know, uh, degrees. And the second degree was called uh, Mithras Nymphus, and you had to dress, you know, these initiates would have to dress up as, as brides, you know, and they'd have the tiara with the, the sun rays. I mean, exactly like what you see in the middle of New York Harbor. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's like, how do, you not, how do you not look at that statue and go, that's a, you know, it's a man dressed, you know, in this ritual garb? Yeah, so. the Statue of oh, Liberty is the number it. one trans symbol in the world, everybody. Wow. That's, that's. I mean, the face is a dude's face. That's a dude's face. Look at that nose and everything. Yeah, that it's is a structured guy's nose. face. Yeah. So go go look at go look up look up now. Look up the Statue of Liberty replica at the Brooklyn Museum, and then you'll really get a good eye for. How it, do you spell Mithras? By the way, M I T H R A S. And what museum you say? The Brooklyn look, Brooklyn Museum has a uh, has a replica of the Statue of Liberty that you should. Uh, have a good look at maybe show your uh your your that's so incredible (laughs) dude that is so incredible yeah man i've been watching a lot of people talk about the statue of liberty and there's like other mithras like statues yeah see that image right there just zoom in on that that image right there and you'll see uh you know what the story really is i guess i'll tell you about our good friends at mac Weldon, that's Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is is better than what you're wearing right now. That's right, comfortable, high quality clothes, the best in the game. They start from scratch and engineered their own fabric. They were making designs processed uh, meticulously, so you can count on the fit being the same each time. They built a world-class customer experience. The difference is in the details. They are obsessed with every stitch and seam until they reach perfection, okay? Mack Weldon is the premium men's essential brand that believes in smart designs and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is indeed offers the industry-leading underwear they 
But they are much, much more than just an underwear company. They are the one stop for all men's basic kinds of needs, okay? The basics of all kinds for you, okay? Mack Weldon's will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear, okay? I've ordered some shirts. I love them. I love underwear. Johnny, you need new underwear. I'm with that. Guess what? Guess what you guys get for quit Christmas? <laughs> Do you celebrate Christmas, Johnny? Or are absolutely. you into pagan stuff? No, okay? I absolutely celebrate Christmas. Okay, then you're going to get a pair of sweet-ass underwear for those giant balls you love have. Love Christmas. I love Christmas. And you love your big balls, don't you, Johnny? Okay? Yeah, the whole world does. Yeah, who Ooh, doesn't, Johnny? Who doesn't? Now, here's the thing about Mac Weldon. They have uh, created their own totally free, loyal program system called Weldon Blue. Okay, level one, get you free shipment for life. Free shipping for life, wow. man. And once you reach level two, by spending $200, Mac Weldon will give you uh, 20% off every order for the next year. Who oh, else shit. does that? Wow. Who else does that? The whole Nobody. year, 20%. 20% for a whole year, okay? That's why we love it. All right, so here's what we're doing, dude. Uh, basically, what we need you to do is visit MacWeldon.com slash tinfoil, okay? And get 20% off your first order, okay? Or, and, or, and, and, enter the promo code tinfoil. Foil guys, okay. So that's all we need you to do. All right, just help us out, help the show. Go to Mac Weldon. That's M A C K W E L D O N dot com slash tinfoil and use the promo code tinfoil. Enjoy some sweet ass underwear, some sweet ass socks, some sweet ass shirts. Okay, make yourself feel like a king, like a king, and do that. MacWeldon dot com. Unbelievable. I mean, that, that, one, that one, that version of Mithra Sniffus doesn't even have, like, the fake breasts like the one in uh, New York Harvard does. So. Oh, shit, it does. <laughs> but also AT&T. I mean, yeah, AT&T, um, who, you know, were once the, um, you know, the, the bell system and they were, you know, the monopoly, they controlled all the, the telephone circuits in the entire country. And they were broken up by Reagan, but now they're, they're slowly but surely uh, rebuilding themselves. But they're... Um, their corporate symbol is also Mithras. Uh, you know, it's winged Mithras. And they just replaced the snakes that were wrapped around him with, uh, you know, phone cables. So I, oh, this man. is what I was just trying to say. Is this like, if you want to look that up, just look up AT&T. Uh, I think it's called like the spirit of electricity. Oh, my God. I mean, we see a lot of this stuff. A lot of these corporate symbols having... Um, a lot of occult symbolism in I mean, Nike is basically, Nike swoosh is basically the ring on Saturn. That's what, you know, oh. it's like crazy, dude. So you're looking at that, the AT&T statue right now. I mean, that's, that's exactly a classical Mithras depiction. You and know, all they did Mithras was just replace the, the snakes. Of? What's that? What was Mithras the god of? Well, you know, he's supposed to be the god of time and of contracts, uh, and but then he was also a solar god. Um, god, of you know, contracts. but he was a solar god, but he also represented Saturn because Saturn represented time. So it's Kronos, it's very- right? Is that Kronos? Uh, Kronos, yeah. So, but you know, this is the thing that I've been you know talking about is that these gods just they all got mixed up. You know, uh, there would be. Just even in ancient Egypt, you would go 
to um, say a temple and it'd be Isis, Osiris, and Horus, and then you'd go to another temple and it'd be like Ra, Hathor, and you know Ra Junior. Basically, I mean, they just totally would just switch up the identities. There was no like, there was no canon. You know, there was no you know home office that were just handing out the instructions. So uh, things would get you know very confused. Uh, Johnny, I love that you brought up the God of Contracts. It's like, I am the god of contracts. Initial here, initial here, and initial here. Thank you, god of contracts, for the Mookie Betts deal. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. So I want to get into, um, you know, uh, award ceremonies and Burning Man. And then uh, I want to talk a little Chris Cornell. So where do you want to start with that? Well, since we're sort of on the tail end of that, I mean, we can talk about, again, you know, the things that I've been talking about Um where they're using all the symbolism. And a lot of times it's, you know, they're very clever with it. You know, sometimes we'll see like uh, Nicki Minaj a few years ago had done that whole, you know, the devil's after her and, you know, the flames and the dancing demons and stuff. And, you know, that stuff was, you know, it was very blatant. You know, anybody could see, you know, understand what they're looking at. But then you talk about like the Lady Gaga thing during the, the, the halftime show. But also, you know, Lady Gaga had done... Um, at the Grammys a couple years ago and she had like the wings draped over her piano, you know, so that's, that's more that, that fallen angel symbolism. Um, you know, she's just, you know, she's just, she's almost like a, a like a paper doll for these, these people, you know, she, she'll, she'll wear anything you want them, you know, that, that they want her she's to. They'll, she'll put on, she'll do any, like, it's, she's amazing. I mean, she's such a trooper. She'll, she'll, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she'll participate in any in any um, ritual. She'll wear meat on her face, out. looking like the uh. bloody face. Oh, so that was another thing. So the bloody face uh, uh, that you know people are talking about from the frazzle drip that is oh. also on uh, from the volleyball from the volleyball, um, which is also on Ellen's shirt, which is like used for uh, the Trump face too. And it's also so, yeah, one point. Yep. Then there's also something about. Like red, a red, a red, like face, I mean, handprint on your face is also something like that, which I saw blatantly out of nowhere on Ink Masters. I'm like, holy shit. They didn't even hide it. It was like, boom. And then they all ha 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 ha. And I'm like, man, they have zero problems with putting this occult symbolism into this show, man. Yeah, she wore the face that looked like the frazzle drip. That was her costume at one of the award shows. And I'm like, this yeah, well, chick doesn't care. This is, you know, 12 years ago, actually, I, I, wrote, a, I wrote a piece called The New Normal. And, you know, <laughs> it was talking about how, you know, all these kind of things that were percolating in the underground and percolating amongst these kind of cults was eventually going to reach the mainstream because that's the way it always works. You know, I mean, things percolate among these groups that, uh, you know, are influencers of a type because they always sort of catch the ear of celebrities or politicians or whatnot, business people, you know, people who are, you know, rich and powerful, but extremely insecure. Right. Um, so this stuff, eventually it seeps up. And since there is no, mainstream culture you know there's no mainstream there's no center you know you can't be a centrist because there's no center right uh mainstream culture is gone everything is um very fragmented and uh decentralized 
So in that kind of environment, you don't need to worry about, you know, these parents groups that are going to protest or these Christian groups are going to protest. So you can really just basically do anything you want because you've got so many people that are so well entrained, you know, your little, um, you know, amen corner on Twitter or Facebook who are so well entrained to just, oh, anything that you do, no matter how insane or provocative is is great and anybody who dares criticize you is like alt-right or QAnon or agree you know more. whatever the kind of names they just want to throw at you you know they, they these kind of things that they just dream up just to discredit you but like where where is this going it's going to like you know I, i'm just really concerned because i'm just seeing people more and more acting like somebody from a horror movie like you know somebody from like a movie about somebody who's possessed that people are just acting like you know, for instance, that woman who threw the dog at that guy. I'm oh, sure wow. you've seen that video. Yeah. That was just so frightening and disturbing. That woman, you know, she didn't blink her she eyes. She didn't blink like, open the whole time. And, you know, um, her pupils were just, they couldn't possibly be more dilated. They would have disappeared. And then, like, she's, you know, being so cruel to this little animal. And, this, you know, it's just, it's demonic. It really is. And you see, like, a lot of these people involved in these protests, you know, they don't have a political agenda. They're just there because they know that the system gives them permission to, you know, be antisocial and violent. And It's a rich um, kid's purge, in my opinion. The movie Purge. We're allowing rich kids to do that. So you brought that up earlier about that guy eating the the heart summoning the it's like it's like you know we just did something on Alistair Crowley it's like the it's these rich kids that don't have life for the lack of a better word sorry about this fucked out of them like you know it's like very early on I learned man I you know it's like it I, the way I wanted to see the world isn't the way the world work and I learned it the hard way but here I am have a better understanding how the world works a lot of these kids, including Alistair Crowley, that doesn't happen to them. They get juiced into these uh, these private schools. They meet all these powerful kids. They all grow up, and now they're in these powerful positions, and Alistair Crowley and all these kids have access to these powerful people, and therefore nobody's ever going the way you think is stupid. Everybody's just co-signing on this dangerous way of thinking because it's cool. Because it's like why rich kids like to dress like truckers and homeless people because <laughs> it's like it's it's playtime for them. When in reality, no, you're up, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. You know, you talk. I mean, Crowley was a rich kid. Right? Yeah, for I mean, sure. Yeah, that's what I'm know, saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jack Parsons was a rich kid. Um, you know, he had his little uh, agape OTO lodge in his, his mansion in Pasadena. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I, one of the other things that you really need to take into account, and this is where I sort of get back to the whole MK Ultra uh, angle of this, is, um, you know, all the drugs that, um, you know, prescription drugs that are being just radically overprescribed, you know, these, uh, you know, psychoactive pharmaceuticals that are, um, uh, you know, almost inevitably abused. And at the same time that you have the, um, the these drugs, you know, opioids and benzos and, and so on and so forth, you also have um, a lot of these people who are transitioning and are getting massive doses of um, hormones um, that are not, you know, not native to their their physiology and it, it really affects the brain. And again, it's, it's really funny because 
all the things that like, you know, I would have been like, you know, a few years ago, I've been one of these guys like, oh, you know, this is all just hysteria. And this is all just like, you know, a bunch of fundamentalist drama queens and so on. I mean, I was I was right there with all the people who were saying that stuff. But, um, you know, now I feel like I'm apologizing to all those people because they were just they, they had, you know, maybe they didn't get the signals uh right all the time but they were you know they had their heads maybe a little lower to the ground and um you know it's just seeing it i see it on twitter i see people who are just acting insane and acting possessed so it's a combination of drugs mental illness and and you know genuine um what i would argue uh genuine spirit possession well uh i totally agree with that i also think there's some kind of uh virtual signaling going on to a greater group that they're part of the group and they and you brought up something earlier this this you know people want to be right instead of doing right and and so they just really hunker down on their position i can't tell you how many people i know in my own life in my profession that are like huge me too advocates that are straight at the same time telling everybody that cuties is okay that like the notion of like sexualizing grown women in the workplace is the most offensive thing ever but sexualizing children in entertainment is like whatever stupid guy and it's all this edgelord shit that they 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 do it in it's in theory they sit there and they say the craziest thing because it's so edgy because they're all rich kids. It's so I'm so edgy. And then when it comes to practicality, they run like children and cry when it's actually applied in real life. It's unbelievable. They'll say the most dangerous things, right? And then when there's repercussions for that, they just go and lock them. They sit there. Their 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 Twitter's are private. Their Instagrams are private because they're afraid of the replication. It's like I say, why why do rich kids or the political correct people? say that uh, 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 mean words and violence are never the answer because those are literally the only two real-world consequences that hurt them. If you've been insulated your whole life and somebody says something mean, that feeling hits harder for you than a guy who does roofing for a living, got the shit kicked out of him by his dad his whole life, sticks and stones, you know? But when you've grown up in posh everything, in the best hospitals, the best homes, the gated communities, private schools, Ivy League schools, words hurt. They hurt. It's not only rich kids, though. It's the fucking politicians. How about Kamala Harris, the VP? Well, what, what happened to her and Biden? Into it. She's feeding into it. That's what they do. They add gas to the fire because they know there's these kids out there that feelings hurt. Like, you know, like politically incorrect jokes are only wrong if it's geared towards the left. But if it's geared towards the right, it's perfectly acceptable. If you want to rip on somebody's religion, rip on their love of their country, rip on their whiteness, it's yeah. fine. You pick on somebody's being gay, a woman, ethnic, all of a sudden this is the worst thing you could possibly <laughs> do in the world and we have to end it. It's why Johnny and I were talking before the show. It's why Saturday Night Live is falling flat on its face right now, and which hurts me because I have two good friends on there and I want them to make a ton of money doing their following their dreams. But that show is only playing to one side. Jim Carrey trying to act like Joe Biden is anything other than shit in his pants, <laughs> fucking crazy person, it makes the whole sketch fall flat. 
because it's not common sense. But well, you know, what, you know what a lot of that is, and and this is something that's been going on for a long time, <clears throat> and it sort of starts in these sort of corners, these lower rungs of the media and so on. There's um, increasing competition for slots. You know, I mean, sure, you know this on a, a show like uh, Saturday Night Live, and the ratings just continue to go down. And it's not just people turning it off because I, they don't like the politics of the show. It's people turning it off because it, it's either not funny or there's other things to watch that they would rather watch. This is what I'm talking about. Like the the, the, the decentralization is caught is contributing to this radicalism because. Um, you want to make sure that anybody who's in your club that gets through the gate is going to play ball. It's going to do whatever it takes. So I, I think a lot of these, this politics, which I, I really believe very few of them actually believe in, that they actually subscribe to these politics because they just, they keep ratcheting up. Like you said, Oh, oh cuties, you know, if, if you're not into cuties, you know, you're, you're alt right or something. I mean, it's just like, it's constantly ratcheting up the, uh, the extremism. But it's it's also it's a way to instill discipline, you know, among your own ranks. It's a, it's a way to make sure that people on your side in your group realize that if they fall afoul of this ever moving goalpost, they're they're out of the club. They're gone. And um, you know, think about how painful that is to somebody who's spent their whole life, you know, training to be an actor or a musician or a writer or an artist or something. You know, these these people you know they, they call them sjws or npcs i call them soulless vessels um they they move into these companies they take over and they um they make sure that anybody who's going to get through the door is going to do exactly what they say couldn't agree more you know and and the politics again which i i they just don't believe it they they you know first of all none of them walk it like they talk it and i'm sure if you really put pressure on them you would see their real beliefs come out, but it's, it's about conformity. It's about forced conformity. It reminds me a lot of like, I don't know, the Eastern Bloc during the cold war or something. It's the same kind of mentality, but again, it has to do with the fact that, um, mainstream media jobs were, you know, they were plum, you know, I mean, that's, that's what you lived for. And now even like the mainstream media jobs are, you know, poorly paying insecure, you know, and you, again, you're you're subject to all these insane uh, ideological struggle sessions, and so on and so forth. So it, it's 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 sick and it's bad. But the other thing that happens is that you know, you know, the saying "get woke, go broke." I mean, wokeness <laughs> destroys everything it touches. You know, I say it's like um, wokeness is like ideologically Ebola because, like, you know, anything it touches is just going to turn to like blood, pus, and diarrhea. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I do. I totally agree with that. I mean, we we'll look at ESPN right now. ESPN uh, and and the NBA uh, played this game of Black Lives Matter, and. I don't know what happened. Either they didn't read the mission statement or something, but it just blew up in their face to the point that the NBA finals ratings were the lowest in the history of recorded finals, which means now the ESPN has to cut all of these jobs now because they're not going to be able to pay for everything because they didn't meet their numbers. And they're just, and like, it, it's like, I always say, it's like people, 
when 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 the political statement is something that you agree with, you don't see how damaging and dangerous it is. But I always go, let's say instead of uh, the NBA players, right, or a talking head on ESPN, let's say it's your waiter at a restaurant. And you go to this restaurant and you're eating, and this waiter can't stop telling you her political or his political uh, beliefs. At some point, you just want to eat a meal. You don't want to have to hear what these people think. And that's what's happening with entertainment. Back in the 50s when, you know, you had um, you had J- Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, you had Bill Russell making political statements, 50s, 60s, 70s, okay? That was being done because nobody was talking about those issues. So they had to make a stand right there. But even when they made the stand, when they showed up to the game, they played the game. Now it's everywhere. Everywhere, not only it's go vote, it's they're telling you who to vote for. Back and then, when I when when I had just turned eighteen, it was like just go vote. Everyone just go vote. When when Obama, they weren't really pushing Obama. They were like just go vote. Now you can literally tell you what they're doing. They're telling you not to vote for Trump, and if you're gonna vote, only vote for this. And if not, then don't go vote. That's literally like, what it's saying. Well, it's funny too. A lot you have a lot of these so-called nonpartisan organizations like that in the get out the vote effort. And they're all just, yeah. I mean, they're all run by li- Hollywood liberals. Like, HBO has produced a couple of shows. One of them is this Golden Girls special. And, and another one, they did a uh, reunion of the West Wing cast. With, oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Sorkin, you know. Uh, and they did a stage reproduction of one of the episodes. And, you know, they, they pretend it's this nonpartisan thing. But it's just the biggest yeah, I mean it's a joke. They're almost a parody of themselves at this point. It, it's, like, where's it's so BLM clear. right now? Oh yeah, yeah, it's gone because it's hurting Joe Biden's campaign. That's why you don't hear about it anymore. And it's just like, well, go on, sir. Sorry. Sorry well, sir. I was just going to say, look at Hollywood. So um, Hollywood is is collapsing quicker than anybody would ever have imagined. You know, particularly anybody who hadn't been sort of paying attention to the fact that. They were making one hundred and two hundred million dollar movies that weren't even uh, breaking, you know, ten thousand or ten million dollars at the box office. I mean, the the whole entire uh, economic model of Hollywood was just just crazy. I mean, it was just completely out of whack. And you know, it's my belief that a lot of the money that was going through Hollywood was uh, money laundering, you know, drug money and and tax piracy and so on. And somehow that spigot got turned off, and then this whole COVID thing pops up, and all of a sudden Hollywood's done. I mean, it's really it's it's frightening because all these big budget movies are, are no longer in production. I mean, they had this whole slate of all these big movies that come out this year, and and they're all shut down. So um, what's going to happen? And I again that that creates more and more pressure. So the extremism, the political extremism, is just going to become worse and worse because if you step out of line just a bit, just a bit, you know, you're going to become suspect. And once you become suspect, you know, the, the, the egg timer is put on your head and, and it's just a matter of time before they throw you out the door. You know, it's the whole thing back in the Stalin days is that, you know, that whoever would stop clapping first would be the, uh, you know, the one that you had to <laughs> take out to the woodshed and put a bullet in their head, right? Yeah. So, um, so it's the same thing. So it's going to get, it's all going to get worse because a lot of it is driven by, um, you know, a lot of these kind of sites, these online sites, Gawker and uh, Vice and BuzzFeed and everything, they're all being propped up by um, venture capital of money. 
and you sort of see this, you know, they all had these five-year plans. So back in 2015, when all these things really started getting big, um, you could tell that a lot of these uh, venture capital uh, brokers were, you know, pouring a lot of money into this, this these online sites. And then they were all super, super woke because that gets, you know, the click, the hate clicks and so on going. But, you know, the, they're all they're all dying. You know, I mean, all these uh, journal people with journalism degrees are, are going to have absolutely nowhere to work. So <laughs> because when the competition gets that bad for just like the few decent paying jobs that are going to be left in media, in Hollywood, in sports, so on and so forth, um, it's going to make that that whole and I, I would go so far. I mean, it's a cult. It's it's it may not be a theistic cult, but it's definitely a cult. Um, you know, the woke cult is going to become more and more powerful and I think more and more destructive to the body politic as a whole. Uh, I I agree with that. I just think it's I think as we go peer to peer, you're going to see a giant change. Uh, Johnny and I talk about it all the time the rise of the Karens, I think, <laughs> is a is a sign that the mainstream media does not have. Then control the narrative anymore because you know because you watch that you know they did that study women are seventy percent of the purchasing power they have the same seventy percent of all purchases uh, and therefore you know the, the the news realize that the mainstream media realize that and they're like okay we want to ratchet up all the you know race tensions but if we piss off white women which there are more white women than any other demographic in the United States and more money spent on white women than any other demographic out there if we piss them off we're going to lose their purchase power so we got to come up with something that kind of fractures them from white guys and that's 70 cents on the dollar and the women just ran with that they just Oh my God! That we're just getting enslaved here, and they <laughs> they just don't understand. It actually has to do with the fact that they have career decisions on whether they want to go to work or be a stay home mom, or if they don't want to move because the organ the the company they want wants them to move to you know North Dakota, and they're like, I'm not moving my kids. I'm not going to move. That there's more decision making or dangerous that. jobs. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or do you want someone to leave for nine months? Well, you know what's so funny is like Bill Burr brought it up. How come nobody's ever talking about why there's not more women in roofing, right? <laughs> like you don't hear women complain about getting in the roofing all the time. There's not they're not represented in that. So, so the rise of the Karens, they wanted to protect white women. That's how you, you would be pounding on white guys, but somehow white women be like, "Yeah, you guys suck," and you're like, "You're right there with us." So. The rise now, once the mainstream media starts to die, all of a sudden you see all these like social media funny ass websites making all these funny videos about Karens. And that's the change. So I think the woke society, I I think it I think it's going to die off personally, because now you're going to be able to select more of what you're watching than. But it is right when you're talking, it's going to fracture us more. Now we're, you know, they talked about how Game of Thrones is, was the last cultural event we all watched together. And after this, now it's like, oh, I'm on Netflix. I'm on uh, Hulu. I'm on uh, Amazon Prime. I'm watching this thing. I'm watching that thing. I'm watching. There's no, like, one thing we're all watching. And I do think that's going to lead to everything being fractured. And, you know, you heard Jeff Bezos put out an uh, email to his, uh, his employees that he wants a diverse uh, workforce because he's going to ratchet up 
the tension so they never unionize with each other because white employees and black employees, male employees, female employees, you know, gay employees, they're all going to be fighting with each other constantly and not coming together like kind of on what's going on in the United States. Dude, that's legit. Our, our diversity is our greatest strength, and they've completely made weaponized it and made it so we're all fighting with each other. Yeah. Well, that goes back to Rome. I mean, that's the divide and conquer um, method. You know, Rome was exactly like America is today. I mean, America is no longer a country. It's an empire, right? And we have military bases on, what, 150 countries around the world? So um, I didn't even know there was 150 countries. Yeah. So um, we are Rome. Uh, But the interesting thing, so Rome had, you know, the the bread and circuses, you know, that that they had huge numbers of people who are either unemployed or underemployed or just poor. And how do you keep them from rising up and overthrowing the uh, the ruling class? Well, you give them free food and and you also give them uh, these these entertainments in the the Colosseum and so on, you know, the... uh, the races and the, the gladiators and so on. And that's, you know, our modern version of that is, is football. So you talked about Game of Thrones being sort of the last, you know, a, a water cooler television show, you know, the, 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 the one that everyone watched and would talk about on Monday morning or whatever. Um, but you, so football was, was also like that, I would argue. And, you know, certainly the Super Bowl, you know, because everybody, I mean, people not only talk about the game, but they talk about the ads and so on. So all these things, you know, the, the killing they're killing the goose that laid the golden egg. You know, they're, they're, um, they're shitting in their own bed when you really get down to it. Um, you know, when you inject all this woke stuff, um, you know, it just, it turns people off. I mean, it even turns people off who, who would necessarily agree with your politics because it just, it gets so extreme and it gets so obnoxious. So the other thing that would sort of unite the populace would be like, you know, Star Wars and, um, you know, Marvel superhero movies and Batman movies, you know, just these big budget popcorn movies that everybody would go see and everybody would be able to, you know, you'd be able to talk to somebody. Say you, you know, you go into another city and there's somebody that, you know, you've never met and they're like, you know, they're, they're a different race than you and they might not even be like native English speakers or whatever, you know, just somebody from an entirely different sphere of living than you are. You, you know, you could say, hey, well, what, how about that Avengers movie? I mean, oh, yeah, the Avengers movie. That was great. You yeah. Know, and you could have sort of a conversation about it. That's, that's you know, they're destroying. It's like, they're, they're again, they're shitting in their own bed. And it's it's very hard for me to, like, figure out what the end game is. Um, but I, I would suspect that the end game is, is that, you know, the, the masters of the universe, so to speak, the um, the people in the corner offices and, uh, and the big boardrooms, I, I think they've, they, they've lost the plot. You know, I, I think they're starting to lose um, control and they're only worried about just filling their own pockets and, and, and they, you know, by extension, creating very unstable uh, political and social situations. And, um, but the, uh, you know, the sort of the salutary effect of this is, you know, that we have a, a populace that's just ripe for, insanity and drug abuse and demon possession <laughs> the big three i the totally three. agree with that i i think the only things that you know noam chomsky calls them the masters of mankind care about are gods gold oil drugs slavery that's the real money and that's you don't hear a lot about that they don't they don't talk a lot about that 
everything else is disposable. And they just kind of take turns with what company's going to jump on the sword. So, you know, you'll have uh, Nike. Nike took a giant hit with the Nike with getting behind LeBron James and the all the uh, Ka- Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff. Real took, I mean, huge losses. No, I don't think so. If they wouldn't support them, you know how many black people wouldn't have bought shoes, and I think they knew where to go. I yeah, knew but, where the market but is. But dude, for what they were doing, there's not enough black people in the country to keep their profits up that at that number. It's just it's in it's in the. It's in the not their quarterly reports came out. They're down. Look at YouTube, man. YouTube, everybody wants to oh, act yeah. like it's a business. It lost eighty billion dollars when they changed their algorithm so people couldn't see how conspiracy see conspiracy videos. Now but they're still doing it. But that's what they do. So you know, you know, that's my opinion why all of a sudden out of nowhere Yahoo articles started popping up. You're like, where why where did Yahoo like it's this zombie like news company out of nowhere and it's like because they know that brand is dead but they can use it to put out information that the the other brands will retweet and so when people get mad they'll get mad at yahoo and they don't lose any money Well, and the funny thing yahoo is just all aggregated content almost all that shit on there links back to like huffington post what's going to happen when eventually there are no sources of original news you know there's nobody doing news there's always been be tinfoil hat brother right exactly but what what, what's going to happen when there are no legacy there's no legacy media left you know what's going to happen to all these brands i mean i think we're looking at a domino situation some here in the, somewhere in the near future when well, the non-corporately owned like newspapers go down there's just going to be nobody left doing investigative i agree uh, well google, companies like google and facebook you know they, they they're talking about these programs we're going to uh, just shovel all this money into all these dying uh, media groups i mean look at you know you mentioned jeff bezos look at the, the washington post i mean the washington post was on its deathbed uh and nobody wanted it and he sort of swooped in and bought it and uses it as um you know, the way Randolph Hearst used his papers, you know, it's just a, a, a bully pulpit for his, his views that he can just have other people speak for him. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of um, these big tech uh, monopolies buy up some of these, you know, branded media outlets. You know, they'll probably buy up uh, Time magazine and you know, Newsweek and, you know, just the, the bigger brands, you know, the, a lot of the big media um, conglomerates that are having their own problems uh, own. But, you know, the um, the whole system is just so whacked out because, you know, I've always seen like consolidation as just being a real, you know, real problem because it's like you put all your eggs in one basket and that's basically what the economy is becoming. You know, uh, Instagram and, and WhatsApp and all these other uh sites are owned by Facebook now, you know, what happens if Facebook goes? I mean, you know, it all goes. But like I said, um, I think that a lot of this stuff is driving a lot of the things that I've been talking about on the blog. It's, it's driving a lot of just the, you know, the extreme behavior, the ritual behavior, because ritual behavior really exists to ease anxiety. You know, um, I have OCD, so I understand that, you know, you go, you, you do all these sort of ritual behaviors, you know, like the, the famous one is like the hand washing or whatever. You do that because it, it, it gives you something to focus on that, that's going to sort of ease that anxiety, this free-floating, baseless anxiety that you're feeling. But I think with the, with the ritual behavior, it's like um, they know that um, they're doing bad things. <laughs> they're fully cognizant of that, and they sort of shop around, you know, for these uh, – 
gods or cults that will um, make them feel better about doing bad things, sort of give them permission. And then they pump that symbolism into the media. It's, 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 it's really amazing. And sometimes it feels like I'm living in like, um, do you guys know Jack Chick comic books? Do you remember those Jack Chick comic books from no. the uh, 80s? No. Oh, so Jack Chick was this uh, Christian fundamentalist, you know, real extreme. You should look them up because they're really entertaining. But, you know, it would be like, you know, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to go straight to hell because yeah. you're going to end up like killing people and stuff. Which, funnily or not, I mean, a lot of people who, who did uh, role-playing games have actually killed people. <laughs> and the killings have been sort of inspired by their games. I mean, there's a, I actually have a database on that. They don't really like to write about that anymore. I'd love but, to interview you about that sometime, dude. I'm down yeah. with that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll have to do a book on it. Um, there's actually a sort of a famous case. This um, this guy from you know I'm actually originally from Boston. This guy who was uh, what was his name Mucko. They called him Mucko, but he went into some uh, software company and, and just like gunned everybody down. And it turns out that he was you know, really into uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons, and it just kind of messed up his head. So there's been a lot of these cases. But um, yeah, you, I, real quick, do you see? Have you found any research that correlates first shooter video games with anything going on? Because I do get a lot of crap about that. It just seems too similar to me. Well, I'll tell you. You know, one of the problems that's hard doing you know research on that is that so many people play them. You know, um, so it's it's just sort of the law of averages. You know, uh, you get somebody who's going to be involved, like. You know the dark night shooting in Aurora, Colorado. Um, it's just kind of a lot of averages because so many, especially young males who are, you know, the young white males who are the primary uh, demographic for, you know, not the exclusive but the primary demographic for for mass shootings. Um, you know, the, they all play video games. Is there any? Is there any like young white male, say under the age of forty, that doesn't play video games all the time? I mean, I can't think of anybody. No, he's pretty legit. You know? Like the, the Xbox play, PlayStation, they're already sold out. They're not even out yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and no, now, right. now like they're, they're all right. spying on you too. Like they, they, you know, they have all these. Um, what is it? The new PlayStation, the new Xbox. I'm not sure what it was, but it's like they listen to your conversations. You know, when you do the the uh, multiplayer online stuff, and you know, these. My son used to do that, and he would just get so angry and just so pent up. And I, I finally, I just had to say, "Why are you doing this? You don't enjoy this." It's driving you crazy. So I think again, that's I think that's another thing that's driving people crazy: social media and and online gaming. One hundred percent. Now that he mentioned that, now that he mentioned that, I could see that how they're listening to it and who's good at it and who's really really upset and hates life and then use him to go do a mass shooting. Well, you know the uh, the whole thing with the FBI. I mean the uh, Michigan kidnap story. It's come out that that guy that basically. Came up with the idea and pushed it on everybody. Was an FBI informant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's 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 a very old tactic. I mean, they would you know at, in the wake of nine eleven, they were you know busting up all these Muslim terror gangs, and it'd just be like a bunch of dumb guys you know talking tough at the garage or something. And yeah. some guy would sort of come in. Some guy who's on the hook for like kitty porn or drugs or something would come in and go, you know, hey, why, why don't we you know blow up um you know the, yeah. Yeah. City Hall or something. It, 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 it's <laughs> funny because these cases are really just created for publicity because if you follow up on them, they almost always fall apart. I apart. agree totally. It's, it's always entrapment and it's always just like circumstantial. It's it's all these cases are so weak. They, 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 just, they just do them because uh, that Governor Whitmer, who I, 
you know, talk about demon possessed. Take a good look at that woman. I mean, she looks like something from like uh, an Exorcist movie <laughs> or something, or like the Omen, like the the the, the female remake of of Omen Two or something. Um, she she um was you know she she had a big Supreme Court decision go against her because of her lockdowns, which is too draconian. And, you know, a lot of people in that state really don't like her. And a lot of it has to do with the lockdowns. So she has this really bad week of all this, you know, uh, bad publicity sort of, you know, sinking her her career. And then magically, you know, a bunch of um, guys who, from first of all, they all seem from like one, one guy's like an anarchist and one guy's this and one guy's that, mm-hmm. one guy's this. And then, it's like you know, the usual thing. suspects, man. They just yeah. got together this. You know, they got, this, a, they got together all the fuck ups from like this town, yeah. who, like, talk tough, you know, on on on, on social media or something, and and the, it's, just, it's 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 a joke. It's 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 a farce. But you know, like the the fact that um, a they're getting so blatant about all these things and so sloppy, it, it concerns me because I think there's a like there's an air of desperation around it. It's either desperation or just a you know a sense of total impunity. Either or, and you know, either, well, neither has very. Um, I think it's also thing. that there's this nonlinear warfare going on that they want both sides to have ammunition. So, you know, they'll put out something so the conspiracy theorists run with it. They'll put out something so the social justice warriors will run with it. And again, it divides and conquers us. You know, I, I always bring up. That story, the ABC uh, interview with the teacher from the Parkland shooting. And she's like, yeah, man, this cop in full armor was going around shooting everybody. And I'm like, how does that make it to air? Unless they want that to make it to air. And now all the conspiracy theorists run away. Oh, look, it's a false flag. And then other people are like, people died. How can you say that? And neither shall the two meet. Yeah, well, that's that. There's actually a name for that. It's called the strategy of tension. Um, there was a. It was called Operation Gladio during the Cold War. That um, there was some concern that the Italian government was going to fall to the communists, and they were going to kick all the you know NATO and, and the Americans and the British and all these other people out of of the country. So they um, came up with what was called the strategy of tension, which would be exactly what you were saying. It's like you know. Uh, some outrage committed by the right and some outrage committed by the left. And, you know, it's just ratcheting up tension in society. But, you know, it all sort of stems back to that whole idea of divide and conquer, you know, where um, if people are fighting with each other over, you know, contrived nonsense they see in the media, they're not going to say, hey, you know what? Why is that guy making $10 million an hour and he's paying his... um, you know, his workers less than minimum wage, you know, um, how does that work? You know, like, how is that good for us? You know, uh, if, if people are, you know, fighting over things that they can't change, like their race. And well, I guess some people try like Sean King changed his race. I guess, you know, <laughs> um, you know they, they, they try to, you know, they argue about, you know, these just identity politics things, you know, they're not going to get together and say, let's, Let's see about these guys in the in the upstairs offices. You know, they, they're sort of like we, we have a common enemy in them. And the, what I really saw is that I really saw this whole thing, uh, all the identity politics and the SJW stuff. It really kicked up in the wake of Occupy Wall Street. 
because what you had in Occupy Wall Street is that you did have a lot of like pretty radical people, a lot of the people that you're seeing out this summer with the, the riots from Occupy Wall Street. But you also had like this really interesting thing where like people who are like socialists were talking to libertarians and, you know, people are sort of uh, congregating in these places and, and debating ideas. And you, you had like a sort of, uh, that was the Ron Paul candidacy and stuff. And it started getting some attention like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this right left game that we keep playing and losing. Maybe that's not the way to play. Maybe we should play a new game and sort of try a third option, try door number three. And that's, you know, exactly what they didn't want. So as, as soon as people were sort of questioning, you know, this, this can't win game, all of a sudden everything's about identity politics and, and SJWs and political correctness and woke and all the rest of it. Yeah. I, I think we see it a lot, man. We were going to talk about, uh sirens and we never got to it but man i really want to talk about that with you like i don't know how soon you'll come back on but i really want to talk about that with you Kurt Cobain too we forgot that one well i mean yeah, he's i know got some chris chris cornell uh but i think that's like its own show to be honest with yeah you. that's, I mean, that's why i wanted story. to do it that's why i don't want to get into it right now but i don't know how soon you'll come back but we'd love to have you back asap to oh i'd really this. enjoy that I really uh, um, had a good time. Uh, this has been a fun episode. Uh, so let's let's wrap this up. I, I'm trying to stay away from the stuff that the tech gods are going to pound on me because I've been shadow banned. I've been, I mean, I'm locked out of my SoundCloud <laughs> account. Like, who gets locked out of SoundCloud? I mean, th- that makes no sense. Like, it won't even register. And I keep going, hey, man. Can you let me in? They're like, yeah, just do this. And I'm like, I did that. Yeah, just do that. They, my Twitter's getting taken away. I, it just, Instagram's fucked. It's just kinda, well, it's like deplatforming is the sincerest form of flattery nowadays, you know? Well, <laughs> I am flattered like a motherfucker. Because, <laughs> yeah, hey, if, if, they, if, if, they, if they worry about you enough to, to throw you off their platforms, then you must be doing something right. Oh, so what, what? How do you think this all plays out? Where do you? What do you think happens next? And we'll wrap it up on that. What do you think happened next? What do, where do you think? Well, in the immediate future, I just think more of the same. Um, it's funny. I, back in 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 March, I was telling you know people in interviews I was doing. I didn't think there was going to be an election. You know that because they were really sort of seeding the news cycle with like, oh, well, Trump says that maybe we should postpone it and then we have all these problems with the post office and then nancy pelosi says this and you know they were they were dropping all these hints that they were going to sort of preempt the election somehow and um i don't know what the agenda is now because now we have all this stuff with biden and his uh his stories so i i just think in, in the near future i mean everything that is bad now is going to just get a lot worse yep. and it's just going to get you know the, the tech companies are going to get more and more uh, fascist and more and more um, intolerant, and uh, it's just going to spread out. But I think that um, it that that can never sustain itself, you know, because when when you have to resort to you know banning people from your platform, that shows that you're afraid. And when you start to show fear, that that sows doubt. You know, people are like, well, why are you afraid of this? Like, why is all these QAnon mm-hmm. people? I mean, I don't know anybody who takes QAnon seriously. Why do they have to be all thrown off? 
Facebook? What, what what's the threat? Like what are they? That's so my feeling of? on flat Earth. Like yep. regardless of what you think of that, like they're like, yeah, we're gonna get rid of flat Earth videos. I'm like, why? If it's so ridiculously stupid, and that's what you believe, I don't care what people think. I really don't. I have a lot of very good friends who are flat earthers. I enjoy their friendship very much. I'm blessed they're in my life. Um, but if that's what you want to believe, I believe we live in a realm. That's my belief. But, you know, if that's what you want to believe, where? why is that? Why is that damaging? Media is going to get worse. Just wait till deep fakes come out, till people start saying that's not my voice when it is their voice. It, just wait, it, it, dude. These this fake news is going to get worse. Wait till I'm surprised. I think that's what yeah. this. By I think that's what's coming, dude. Yeah, it's going to. Well, come. can I just drop one more thing in there? Um, please, one, please. One of the things that I, I, I write about and I talk <laughs> a lot about is I, I just think that reality itself is kind of in is having a midlife crisis. Um, I think that. <laughs> What we once understood is, is the way things, the order of things and the way things work and, you know, A goes to B to goes to C and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's breaking down. And a lot of people are talking about like the simulation and, and, and this, you know, a false reality. Um, you know, I would never try to define it, but, uh, you know, people a couple of years ago were talking about the Mandela effect and so on. Uh, but, um, you know, I don't think people really can put their finger on it because, it's almost like it's shifting around so much that you can't really define it yet. So I don't know if you'll ever will be defined, but you know, I really do think that um, reality that you and I, uh, you know, both you guys grew up in and I grew up in is, um, is, is breaking down. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because um, we like, again, we had a mainstream, we had central authority describing reality to us and reality comes from the same word as royal right it's like the king telling you the way things are mm. and when that that authority breaks down all of a sudden you start to perceive things you start to notice things that you never saw before and that you know it just keeps this uh snowballing effect where people just start to lose faith in the consensus reality that we're all taught to believe is is that good or is that bad i mean like if we're gonna use the matrix is it good that a lot of people seem to be taking the red pill or is it bad? Um, it is, you know, it just is, it's just, it's going to be good. It's going to be bad. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything that can be done about it. The only thing that could be done about it is that if you just shut the entire internet down and just go back to like three channels of television and five <laughs> channels of radio. I mean, that's the only way you can, you can, can maybe not even control it because I think, these things are more metaphysical than, than we give them credit for. But um, you could probably just change people's perceptions of it. But I don't think there's anything going to change it. And uh, maybe it's part of evolution. Maybe it's just part of something. I mean, uh, some people think that we all died in 2012 and we just were all transported to some parallel Whoa. earth. Uh, some parallel yeah. reality that's that's wasn't meant to be permanent and it's that you know the, the the matrix itself is kind of breaking down i mean who the hell knows but it's something that um you know i pay attention to and i can say in confidence you know in a public forum like this that i think is actually happening okay so the universe is kind of going through a midlife crisis right now and uh it's trying to figure itself out there's a lot of people across many different disciplines, philosophies, political beliefs that think we're entering an age of awareness. Do you have any thoughts on that as we end it? 
Um, yeah, I, th I think that's probably true, but awareness is a huge double-edged sword, you know? Um, you know the expression, ignorance is bliss? Yes. Remember that expression? Yes. So awareness, um, I know the sort of the New Age people sort of paint it in a, in a particular way, but uh, again, it's, it's going to be a double-edged sword. There are going to be good things and bad things that arise from it. But I think in the interim, there's going to be a very difficult adjustment period. Yeah, I think that's what we're going through right now. Uh, he is Christopher Knowles. He has some wonderful books out there. God, our Gods Wear Spandex, The Secret History of Rock and Roll. And he's got a new book out, which is uh, a lot of people are talking about. Um, one more time, can you tell us the name of that book? I don't have the notes right in front of me. My apologies, sir. Yeah, it's uh, He Will Live Up in the Sky. He Will Live uh, Up in the Sky. And, dude, I appreciate it. We were going to talk. I really wanted to get into that uh, conversation. So hopefully we can get you in ASAP to do that because I think that's a really fun conversation to have uh, about the sirens. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I hope uh, you had a good time because I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, my friend. Oh, absolutely. I had a great time. I, I want to do it again. Okay. Seriously, I really, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be bugging you guys to get me on. Again, so. <laughs> hey, dude, you might get hit up quicker <laughs> than you think because I have some slots open. Christopher, thank you for coming on. You're G, uh, one of the best conversations we've ever had, and that's kind of the show, man. You come on wanting to talk one thing, and then the conversation leads to another <laughs> thing, and that is what the show is about. We have the dangerous conversations here, and that's what we like to do. Thank you so much again, Christopher XG. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. I don't. I think you talked two minutes, and I think time flew. Um, so thank you so much I love you Swarm and we will do it again soon take care have a great day from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.